Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me today, as always, partner in crime, Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Belly Up Media. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the day, Keaton Page, former point guard for Oklahoma State. I think a lot of folks, when they think of the small, undersized white point guard for Oklahoma State. They immediately go to Phil Forte, who is very good friends with Boston Celtics and defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart. But Phil Forte was able to run because of Keaton Page. Keaton Page came before Phil Forte there at Oklahoma State. And we'll touch on Oklahoma State troubling, troubling loss against West Virginia, a game they absolutely needed to have. So we'll, we'll talk to them. Maybe they could have used Keaton on the court tonight. Probably could have, but Keaton Page, he is your college hooper of the day. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Damble. Let's open the curtains. back again we are bearing down on march only a week or so left until we flip the calendar and then of course we got championship week conference tournaments and i cannot wait for a lot of them and then of course the ncaa tournament uh how was your weekend how's 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 everything been oh it's it's good Uh, i was just talking about how tired i was but that's only not from anything exciting only from golfing in the sun today so i'll just keep that rubbing that into any of our colder folks uh listening but uh i actually want to announce already what our wet or what our what our episode is going to be about next week because you're bringing it up it's almost march do you know that our jerome episode is literally only like four days away the a sun tournament starts in six days oh my god i gotta start planning that (laughs) i thought that you would yeah so here those who are listening right now are listening to a live in color, so to speak, uh, pre-planning episode because the Jerome episode is going to have to be a, a week from uh, today, pretty much. So, uh, yeah, or less than a week from today or whatever. Thank you for, next Monday, thank you. next Monday and Tuesday. Okay. Thank you for 
letting me know that. I got to get the groundwork going. I got to hit up keeper of the drone, Brendan Brady O'Rourke. He is our guy, and we'll have to get going. Speaking of A-Sun, Kennesaw State, that is my team. I'm going to pick them. Although they did just lose, which isn't good. But, I mean, it's it's AQ no matter what. You want them to... You know, at least get with that last loss in before the tournament, so they're they're hungry. But um, uh, going away from basketball for a second, I'm doing well, Sue. I appreciate you asking. Um, was there any excitement in your life over the weekend? Baby stuff. I tweeted it out. I went and saw my niece introduce myself, little meet and greet. Uh, it was a lot less formal than that. It was great seeing her, uh, my brother's baby back home and i also was able to spend some time break some bread with the shark we got far too far too drunk on saturday night but it was a lot of fun we ended up watching maybe the first five minutes of season one episode one of white lotus and then also maybe five minutes of new girl we also put on a long came Polly. it was that kind of night it was just really stupid stupid stuff and i think our significant others were were tired of it but then the next day, actually, this is something that'll make you laugh, I think, Taylor. We got brunch, and look, I'm just going to come out and say it. We couldn't we couldn't hold it anymore. We both had to poop at brunch while the wives had to hold down the, the bar seating. And then we emerged from the bathroom only to find a line that's like five deep. So I'm still sh- – I don't know if I can go back to this establishment again, and I don't want to disclose it. But that's pretty much how our time was spent. So I, it was very wholesome and great with my niece. Uh, and then I just reverted into a vile monster Saturday night and Sunday. So other than like the alcohol portion of this, we could have taken this weekend from like Shark Soup 1997 and it would have been like the same exact weekend is what you're saying. Like a, watching like along came Polly and then clogging up a bathroom new year, new year, you like that's that you could have pointed any point in time, uh, probably in your history and taken that. So that's nice. I like that you guys can revert to that. Did you, uh, give shark any shit for Arizona beating Tennessee this time at baseball this weekend? Slight, slight amount. I know we talked about it right after they Arizona beat Tennessee in basketball, but I did just let him know, like, hey, before we go any further, before we really catch up, just take a look at my latest retweet. It was Arizona Athletics basically saying, oh, damn, we did it again in baseball. But I did say, hey, February 16th is going to be something that we have to circle the calendar for. You know, I, it, it, I'm a little disappointed I didn't go, considering it was in Scottsdale, like five minutes from my house. But I did have to text our um, another uh, Tennessee buddy, Cody Crutcher, friend of the program, and say, hey, Arizona's just – really good at beating Tennessee this year, huh? And I got a, a, a prompt fuck off uh, in response from that. So uh, that was pretty on brand, which I which I liked. Well, they were, they were ranked like two in the country, right? Tennessee? Were. Yeah, exactly. That's good. So let's dive in, though, to the playbill here, Taylor. We got a lot to catch up on from not only last night, but this past weekend. Can I start first by saying that I'm a little disgusted with Oklahoma State? and their performance against West Virginia. I've long been saying that there's three teams in the Big 12 that I think are actually pretty terrible, and that's West Virginia, that's Oklahoma, and that's Oklahoma State. Now, Oklahoma had their best win of the year is uh, drubbing against Bama, but they also forced Texas to overtime. Oklahoma State, I think, is the best of those three teams. And then West Virginia comes and and dominates them. And now I think Lunardi has West Virginia, despite the fact that they're 16 and 12, mind numbing that I think he has them in as the last four in. That's to me, I'd rather see another team from a different conference. I understand the Big 12 is really good, but I'd rather see another bubble team get in over West Virginia because I think that ship has sailed. But for Oklahoma State, I thought their season largely rested on this game because I think they got a a tough last few games. I think they still play Baylor. I still, I think they play a red hot tech team. Oklahoma state's in some trouble uh, now that they lost and dropped this one to West Virginia. What say you? So I'm going to push back a little bit on you on West Virginia, not being a tournament team. I don't love them either. That's not what I'm trying to say, but you know, when we get to this end of the bubble type of situation, um, there's always like a, well, who would you rather have in type of question? And it's like, okay, so what, 
Like, I think I'd rather like a Charleston in, honestly. Okay, okay, fine. I guess my example was going to be a team like a like a neutral court. If Clemson and West Virginia played today, like who's winning that game? Even if you say Clemson, majority of the time it's probably only like 60-40, right? And Clemson's yeah. well well within the tournament at this point, even though they I don't suffered. Know if they are. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe I they're don't not. Know if they are. Given the fact that they just lost to god awful Louisville this last week, but I mean, I guess that's kind of my point: is a team that just lost to the worst team in college basketball is most likely in the tournament, but you're still not even taking necessarily taking them over West Virginia. West Virginia and Texas Tech are actually have become quite similar. Um, you know, so I don't even say this jokingly, two of the hottest teams in the country, Texas Tech, but uh, no, Oklahoma State, really, uh, West Virginia is not hot. They've lost three of their last four, but um, including the Texas Tech. But Oklahoma State is a little underwhelming at this point. They they kind of had it all right there in front of them, kind of like you were, uh, you know, you were alluding to. And then, then they just get trucked at, at West Virginia. They've lost three in a row. You know, albeit Kansas and TCU, like you said, they're hanging on to that Iowa State and, and TCU victory from early February. I am a little surprised that Lunardi has uh, Okie State and West Virginia flipped, but I kind of like if his reasoning is on is head-to-head, well, that just happened and we just saw that. So I, I do like that aspect of it. But um, I, I'm, I'm with you as it relates to, like, maybe a team like a – you know, like a Charleston getting in. But I think the question here, and we might differ on this though, is uh, I guess kind of like what I said about the ACC. Like if West Virginia wasn't in the hardest conference in the country, would they, would they be 500? I mean, would they beat? Cause you look at like the ACC standings and it's like, okay, even, even North Carolina who is garbage is 500 in the ACC. So I, I I'm, I would still rather have like a Charleston in, but I could see why West Virginia would be, would get it at this point or an Oklahoma State, just given the fact that they're going to ride the coattails of the Big 12. And that's just kind of what happens when when you're in the best conference in the country. Yeah, I, I, I understand the reality of it, but I, at some point, these losses that have piled up have to come back and bite you in the ass. You have 12 losses and it's not March yet. I mean, look, if they if they end the season with that amount of losses and maybe win a couple or 13 losses, right, you'd assume they are not going to win the Big 12 tournament. Then, yeah, sure, we can have that discussion. I still think they have a ton of work to do, though. And I look at a team like Oklahoma State, who is on the heels of a tournament ban. I, I just think that they're playing with their food. The Big 12 is a difficult conference, but when you have opportunities presented to you, like playing West Virginia, and I understand Tech is hot, but you should be able to beat them. It, it They're a team that can ride the coattails of the Big 12 and get in, uh, in my estimation. But right now, they're just playing with their food. And Mike Boynton, I think he's got to, at some point, turn that corner and drive it home that Oklahoma State is going to you know, lock in as a tournament team. So I'm a little concerned with with their performance, especially against West Virginia. Another team, maybe I'm, I'm just spitballing here, Taylor, and thinking out loud. I'd rather see a Seton Hall in over a West Virginia potentially. And they have somewhat similar records. I understand it's, again, you got to look at the conference, but there's just some other teams that I think have performed a little bit more consistently and consistently well, because it goes back to your point of who, like, I understand the schedule's tough, but don't we have to at some point value winning those games? Yeah. And I say that all the time, right? Like you don't get credit for losing big games. So I, yeah, I guess I can't push back on what I say all the time, but I guess at the same time, you know, we just lost or we just watched TCU lose to Kansas. Right. So that puts TCU under 500 in the big 12 this year. That's a really good indicator on actually how good that conference is. I I hate to say that, that like, yeah, obviously you have to win games, but TCU, who has been shown this year that they are a very good team this year, even they're under 500 in that conference. So it's a little tough. Um, it's a lot of like how I think about uh, when UCLA fans talk about wanting to get a one seed, right? It's like, well, you only have one, you've only beaten one team that's projected to make the tournament. So you've lost some games against tournament teams, but that. Yeah, again, I I guess I'm going to your point here where it's like, yeah, someone's got to win these games to get into the tournament, you know, but then that brings up the discussion about what is bracketology in the sense that is this if the if this, uh, you know, if the season ended today, 
Is this where we're standing or is this a projection towards who's actually making the tournament in two weeks? Uh, some bracketologies are different than others, you know, whatever. We don't have to go into that because that's another two hour long discussion. But the, there's a little bit of debate to be had there, too, where it's like, OK, maybe we're projecting West Virginia does win three more games down the stretch. And so um, maybe that's where you were going with that. But there, there's a little bit of side discussion to be had about that as well. I think that's a great point. And I think we just need to change the phrasing maybe. And I don't know, as an English major, that's what's really pissing me off at this point is that we're saying uh, West Virginia. I don't know. Maybe you do see that or the numbers say that and indicate that West Virginia is going to win the next few games, maybe a game or two in the Big 12 tournament. Then, yeah, I'd, I'd say absolutely get West Virginia in there. Texas Tech has that opportunity. Oklahoma State could still salvage some things. And again, I, I'm I'm okay with giving the benefit of the doubt to some of these teams, but can we at least say like Oklahoma's dead? I think Oklahoma's completely dead, but I don't necessarily see a huge difference between an Oklahoma and a West Virginia, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if you have their records pulled up. I think Oklahoma is sub 500, but they have more impressive wins in my estimation. Uh, and 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 it doesn't it's not going to end up mattering because they've lost too many games and I feel like West Virginia isn't going to win out the rest of the way or the before the conference tournament I think they're going to slip up Taylor you even said that they've lost three of their last four or something along those lines I just I don't see the Mountaineers uh, getting in it, it, just with the way that they're playing so you know what this means right this means that they're Almost a lot. Oh, sweet 16. Sweet 16. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be okay with that because I love <laughs> hug. <laughs> I know. I just, I'm glad you said it though, because that's exactly what happens. We'll sit here and we'll talk about like a West Virginia or Oki State, a USC, whatever, for the next three weeks on every single episode. And we'll, we'll agree that none of them should get in and they're garbage and they're trash. And then they'll be like a three seed uh, to go to the Sweet 16. Yeah. I'm happy to be incorrect on this one because i do love huggy but i just i I don't know i I think there are far more deserving teams that i'd like to see despite the fact that they play in inferior conferences but again this was about oklahoma state blowing a golden opportunity because opportunities are going to be few and far between as we approach conference tournament time taylor and it's it's been crunch town i think we had basically said once February hits, you need to be playing your best basketball. And we're now a week after Valentine's Day. You like f- teams really need to start playing do or die postseason basketball. I think even no matter what team you're on, whether you're a Kansas, because you're probably playing for a number one overall seed, whether you're a UCLA, like you had mentioned, where their their inspiration is getting to that one seed line. Or a team that's fighting for seeding and the difference between a six and a four is huge. Then, of course, your bubble teams, you reference Carolina. Carolina is the one team that it's postseason hoop right now, man. You got to get going ASAP. So uh, Oklahoma State, that bell has been rung. You got to get going, too. Are we uh, are we quickly approaching already a Kevin Ollie situation in North Carolina, by the way? I mean... Oof. Similar kind of arc here. Uh, I what a bad team they are. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting out of order here, but man, I mean, they're just horrible. I don't know if we're going to see, see this as a Kevin Ollie type of situation, but I think a lot of folks did get fooled based off of their tournament run. I never subscribed to them being number one overall. I think I kept no. saying Houston should have been. Well, and UNC was in this situation last year, too. They, they kind of had to do this all the way into the tournament last year, if I remember correctly as well, or at least down the stretch. So, um, yeah, I don't – it's weird because Armando Bacot is like the best rebounder in the history of basketball, and it means nothing to them. But anyway, we could get back on track here. No, I'm glad you brought up Baycott because I think just a few of life's greatest mysteries, where is Jimmy Hoffa buried, uh, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and why why are R.J. Davis and Caleb Love shooting so much more than Armando Baycott? I mean, those to me are life's greatest mysteries, but could be wrong. 
But uh, Oklahoma State, let's see how how they rebound. And I'm sorry to any Nears fans out there, but I just I don't I don't need to see the Mountaineers in the tournament unless, of course, you show me something here moving forward. Another game that wrapped up last night it was the big one from Monday night, Kansas traveling to TCU. I thought TCU was going to complete the sweep over Kansas. They dominated them in Lawrence, and then Kansas gets retribution in Fort Worth. Mike Miles is back. He destroyed and helped destroy Oklahoma State uh, on Saturday. But Kansas, what a machine they are right now. And I'm seeing a lot. There's a lot to unpack from this game and this program and the season that Kansas is having, Taylor. Uh, we'll start with the game itself. What were some of the things that, that you saw? I think my biggest disappointment was how TCU played down the stretch. Those were three or four of the worst consecutive possessions I've seen in a college basketball game as of late. I mean, it was a five-point game, and they got, what, correct me if I'm wrong, like four or five stops in a row and only got a bucket out of those four or five stops, you know, and they – no offense – I don't even know what they, there was no, it was just like, Hey, Mike miles, here's 30 seconds. And then they ended the possession. The first possession with like a airballed layup. The second one with like a jump ball, held ball situation. The third one with an absolutely randomly jacked three from like 40 feet out. I don't think a single pass uh, was put together in these possessions. So they were right there. Like TC was right there. I don't want to say it's necessarily indicative of anything, but with Mike miles being back, is that do they just say hey go ahead mike do whatever you want you know we need to see a little bit more of this down the stretch but that's kind of what it felt like to me uh i was uh on tcu side of this one uh, as well i thought they were going to pull it off at home especially especially after uh max duggan walks in with his tux on sits courtside did it hold on answer me this question before i move on here or move along did it seem like kind of dead in there for a five-point game with kansas at home was that just me? Like, did I have my volume turned down? It seemed like it was like a like a Sunday matinee in there. So there were a couple things that you talked about just now that I thought were super subtle, but maybe they weren't. Number one was the end of game situation from TCU. And then you also brought up the Mike Miles situation. I'll talk to that in a second. Uh, and then also the, the volume on the crowd. I think ESPN seriously muted the TCU crowd because there were a couple big plays where it sounded like a church and I was really upset. So I don't think it was the crowd actually, Taylor. I just think the entire production on ESPN was just very subdued for some reason. And I'm, I'm here thinking to myself, guys, this is a huge matchup. This is a, like, what did I say just a few minutes ago? Teams are going to be treating almost every game from here on out as a postseason type of performance. Like I said, Kansas has number one overall seeding implications, and they want revenge. But Taylor, I think the the game was, I think that like the production crew or something really really muted the the crowd. I don't think the crowd was bad. Okay, I'm glad you noticed that too, because I was like literally sitting here like this can't be. This has to be more exciting, right? This is number three, Kansas at home. But, um, you know, kind of going back to not only just the end of game situations, but pretty much the last half, pretty much in the under eight timeout in the last seven minutes and 18 seconds, uh, TC only scored five points. That's not going to win a lot of games against anybody, let alone Kansas or anybody else at the top half of the big 12 or anybody in the tournament. Uh, that's for sure. So that was kind of my big takeaway of the game. Secondly, being as we've talked about since, um, along came Polly came out pretty much is again, Kansas just gets this shit done in these types of situations every single year. And it's not like, uh, you know, I'm not trying to throw out a hard take or just some kind of, you know, Oh, you don't need an expert to know that. Well, it's, it, it's true though. Like they just keep doing what they do. And the funny part, I'm sure you'll enjoy this Subi or any of our other listeners. So last week we harped on, um, you know, analysts just now finally getting into college basketball and fans too. Uh, same thing, you know? And so I had a friend text me today. Hey man, this TCU Kansas game, like definitely feeling Kansas. 
definitely feeling Kansas. And I'm like, well, actually, I'm kind of feeling TCU. Like, you know, Mike Miles, uh, David Baugh, you know, Eddie Lampion, they, they were tough last year, if you remember. You know, this year they got a great home court advantage, beat Kansas the first time, you know, whatever their favorite. And so then what goes goes ahead and happens, just Kansas just wins. And the guy who hasn't watched a college basketball game since uh, the tournament last year was like, well, yeah, dude, well, it's Kansas, you know, why wouldn't they have won? And you just think to yourself like, God, I am just a fucking idiot for doing, putting this much time and effort into, <laughs> into this dumb swarm. Aren't you supposed to be the expert, man? I just tuned in and I could tell you that Kansas was going to beat TCU. Yeah, it's, it is about to be that time of year. And I've said it a million times. My wife consistently finishes higher in the bracket pool than me. She placed last year third. So I'm, excited to see what useless team she takes actually she's probably going to take west virginia uh to to the elite eight and it's just all going to completely blow up in my face unless it doesn't which means she gets a nice payout from it and then that goes into both of our pockets but you're right taylor this is what kansas does and i was i was texting the guys i was saying to myself and i tweeted this i was like tcu needs to make a run it was around the 10 minute mark i said they need to make a run where they go up by three or are at the very least tied because this game was played between uh, Kansas three to five point advantage for majority of it. And it was the least threatening. Let's say, I don't know if it's the advantage or deficit. What I'm trying to say is at no point did I seriously think that TCU could come back from a three to five point deficit. Right. I kept saying if it, if it stays at this level, if it stays max two possession game, like five points, that's nothing for Kansas. They can easily grind you down and salt that game away. You got to put some sort of pressure on them. TCU never really did that. And it's not TCU's fault. They're a great team. But what I also did see in the last couple of those possessions, Taylor, that you mentioned was a bit of hero ball from Mike Miles. And I don't want that to be the case because they've gotten to this point. They've built this program on the backs of sharing the basketball, being tough as hell, and yeah, when you need some heroics from Mike Miles, he can give it to you. But I didn't necessarily think that they needed it at that point. I think you can still get a good look for Chuck O'Bannon. I think Damian Ball is a terrific player. I don't know if you necessarily want to go to Lampkin down low as a, as a number one option, but involve him in the offense. A lot of it just seemed way too isolation for Mike Miles. And I think he's still a little jacked up on his return, which I can't really blame him. He missed a ton of time. And I think he's even been quoted as saying, I thought that injury against Mississippi state was going to end the, the season for me. So it's going to take him some time to get back involved, but I did see a lot of hero ball there, but uh, re regarding, regarding this game, I I've seen this so many times, Taylor, and it, we make picks, we, we make incorrect picks all the time. And I thought TCU was going to win this game, but with about 10 minutes left, when it was a five, a five point game, I was like, look, if TCU doesn't go on a 7 8 0 run, this one's a wrap. And Kansas is never going to allow that to happen, Taylor. They're never going to allow you to go on a crazy run. Uh, or it doesn't seem like that at this juncture of the season. And so for me, it just, it, you know, when you said TCU got those five stops and they didn't get, they only got one bucket. I was thinking to myself, I don't know why I was, I was just scrolling on my phone the whole time. I didn't expect TCU to actually win that game. Yeah. I, I think part of the problem too, is um, both uh, with the expectation of them winning down the stretch and also needing them to make a run. Um, both of those things are hindered by the fact that they just can't shoot from the outside. They're, you know, I'm not saying that you have to shoot for threes to go on a run, but if you're trying to make a comeback or, you know, a momentum shifting type of run, you know, Damian Ball shoots 28% from three. Mike Miles shoots 31%. As a team, they shoot 29%. Ugh, that's horrible. That's near dead last in all of college basketball. So I'm not saying that they can't win games without that because clearly they've been good and, and clearly they, they scored 100 points on Saturday. Uh, I believe so they can score the basketball. The problem is, is yeah, when you get into a tournament situation or a situation like you were here last night with Kansas, it's like, well, if you're only relying on getting to the rim and you're playing bigger, more athletic teams and you can't shoot, this is a bad combination for uh, the tournament. So you Mike miles, if they're going to go anywhere in the tournament, it's going to have to be Mike. My, what, one of those guys, Ba or miles or someone is going to have to go on a, 
you know, like a Sam Decker type of run uh, shooting the ball uh, in the tournament. You know, just someone who shot 30% all year and then goes like six of eight in a game in the tournament. Because I just am a little worried that they aren't dynamic. They don't have enough options on offense uh, to spread a good team out defensively. This was a conversation that the Shark and I actually had when we were in person because Kansas, again, this is a, a perfect example of why you don't freak out when they lose three straight, which is what happened this season. I feel like people have already forgotten about that despite how they reacted to it. Kansas lost three straight this season, and now they're in line for the number one overall seed, which I think they have a pretty decent grasp on at this point. But the Shark and I were talking about it. We said, could they repeat – I don't think they will repeat just because the tournament is that insane and and they're susceptible of getting picked off. We've actually seen it, right? I, I referenced those three straight losses. There is a bit of a blueprint, but what Bill Self has done is nothing short of remarkable. I genuinely think he's one of the best, if not the best coach of our generation. I think I'm okay going there. Um, maybe you could argue with with. Coach K and what generation he belongs to, actually. Maybe even a Roy Williams. But, man, Bill Self is – Jay Wright, I think that's fair as well. But, man, Bill Self just – he just churns it out. The amount of conference titles that he owns and, and the way he runs that conference. You look at a team like Baylor, who's vying for Big 12 supremacy, and they've been great. They have a national title. They've been really great the last couple of years. It's still kind of a footnote into the Kansas dynasty. And here Kansas is with a convincing win against Baylor, bearing in on another Big 12 title and the number one overall seed. I mean, I know it's voter fatigue. I, I feel bad for a guy like Jerome Tang, who's done an amazing job. And he's probably saying to himself, how the hell is Bill Self doing this yet again after losing two first rounders, Remy Martin, who was a catalyst for the national title in the national title game, and David McCormick. I'm glad you brought up Baylor too, because Baylor, and this is not anti-Baylor, but they are just small potatoes in comparison, and they literally just won a national championship. You know, and those like are some of the tastiest potatoes you'll have, but they are small. If they were in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or whatever, they would fill up every single arena every single night. You know, here we go, and I, and Big Ten. I say that very specifically because it's not like they wins their nat last national championship. Michigan State. I Michigan think. State 2000, right? So it's not like they're that far ahead of the Pac-12 and that. But, yeah, you, you have a national champion that comes in. Whew, it's big time, except for in the Big 12, because it's like, oh, it's not – they're not even as big as Kansas. And that's really unfortunate. I mean, yeah, even look at K-State was ranked ahead of Kansas for a very – a decently long stretch. And Beat them. Nobody gave a shit. Yeah, Beat them right. head-to-head. It's like, yeah, none of it really matters. Well, you talk about that Kansas stretch, you know – they easily could have lost five in a row in that stretch. They'd only beat Iowa State by two the game before the, the the bad stretch, and they only beat Oklahoma by like four before that. So, I mean, that was a bad stretch of basketball. I'd love to see a stat, uh, if it exists, about if a team has ever gotten the number one overall seed uh, after having a three-game losing streak within a year. That'd be a very interesting stat. Um, again, I keep talking about our, our crack research staff that needs to do this. So I just need to take notes and do this every week that I come up with a random fact that I forget about. So I'll, I'll try and remember that one, but that'd be a good one. I, I, there can't be that many overall number one seeds that have had even, even three or more losses really, you know, maybe five at most. So having one where that lost three in the same year can't have happened more than at least maybe a most one other time. I would, I would guess. I think there's definitely some, stats out there that we want to take a look at as it pertains to the number one overall ranking and coming in for tournament teams like with Carolina and and also obviously what you had mentioned with with Kansas just that Baylor point I, it I'm not I agree with you I'm not trying to rain on their parade because they're amazing too and Keontae George is a blast but it's just Kansas, they, they just laugh at you at that point. Is there another program that you're less worried about than Kansas? I'm trying to think. I mean, even uh, like if, if Jay Wright was still at Villanova, they'd be up there. I wouldn't be worried about them whatsoever. But 
I, and Baylor, Baylor is certainly up there. But the but, thing with all these other teams in all these other conferences, like a Duke, like a Nova, like a whatever, Kansas is still more consistent than all of them because they just win the conference every single damn year. Except yeah, for Duke like doesn't one. even win the ACC, do they? Duke has only won the ACC once in the last fifteen years. So yeah, I mean that's that shows you how. And this isn't supposed to be anti-Duke either, but it just shows you how Kansas is really kind of an upper echelon compared to everybody else right now. Just their their overwhelming consistency year in and year out. And, I, yeah, I know. They won the national championship. They've been on this pedestal. I know. But just I, I think it's kind of an undervalued thing that, like you said, it's voter fatigue. Or it's like, eh, whatever. Yeah, Kansas will just win the Big 12 again. It will just move on. And people, I don't think, really are appreciating the fact that, yeah, like you said, like we said, Duke's won one conference title in the last 15 years. You know, Arizona's won seven, I think, in the last in that same time span, which is which is really incredible. Uh, honestly, it is. But it's just not even nobody even cares because Kansas, only, you know, 15 in a row and then they lost one. And now they'll just start another streak of 15 in a row. Just an incredible model of consistency and the players that that self churns out. You look at a guy like Jalen Wilson who's having an all-conference season. Actually, Mike Miles, and again, this is no disrespect to Mike Miles, but Mike Miles was picked preseason Big 12 Player of the Year. It's almost assuredly going to Jalen Wilson at this point now. And it's look, Miles was hurt. That plays a huge role into it. And who knows how this race would have fared, but you get a guy like Jalen Wilson, and then K.J. Adams is contributing as well. Dewan Harris, who I've been all in on since the beginning of last year, actually. He may not give you a lot of points, but he's the perfect college basketball point guard. Grady Dick, who's been emerging and and caught fire early in the first half. He's been a lot of fun, which I think a lot of people knew about Grady Dick coming in. But I want to say the only thing that's stopping me from saying, yeah, Kansas can repeat is, oh, college basketball is crazy and the tournament's crazy. Like, that's the only thing. And also – do I really view them as a Florida? Shit, maybe. Maybe I should be viewing them as a Florida. You know it's going to be the worst part about March Madness too is you know how many Grady Dick jokes there are going to be that every that we've have that we played out five months ago, six months ago. You already know that on Twitter people are going to be like, oh, whatever. And we're like, I love yeah. Dick. Yeah, it's like okay, this is this has been a six month long thing. Um, Sorry, not to add negativity to this, but I'm, I'm already sure I can't wait for that text from someone to be like, oh, you know about this guy in, on Kansas, the last name? Like, yeah, I've watched 30 of his games this year. I'm, I will be that dickhead gatekeep. Like, I'm gatekeeping college basketball, right? <laughs> I'm all right with that. I'm all right. Oh, yeah. Did you hear this new song? Yeah, I heard it when it came out a year ago. Yeah, I know. Sound like a dickhead, but I'm just, I don't care. Is that a pun? That you see, that was clever. It wasn't even supposed to be. Yeah, that was. But we're gonna only we're gonna hear it 150 thousand fucking times during the tournament, though. I'm sure. Hey, let's stay in the Big 12 now, though. Texas Tech on a bit of a roll here, Taylor. They've won their last three. Um, They have beat Kansas State at home, beat Texas at home, and then they also beat West Virginia. Tech ends with Oklahoma, very much a winnable game, although that's on the road at home against TCU. The way they've been playing, Tech, that is, they could definitely win that game. And then they travel to Kansas. That's going to be a loss for sure. Sorry. Uh, But Texas Tech could absolutely be on a five-game winning streak uh, before they head to Kansas. And then who do they they end up with? And then they host Oklahoma State. The only loss I'm seeing there, potentially, if they continue to play the way they're playing, is for sure Kansas in Lawrence. But... Texas Tech, I mean, last week we were talking about some different teams falling on the road and how difficult, especially this season. There is a stat that backs it up, that this season has been very difficult for top 15 teams to win on the road. And we were joking about Texas, like, oh, is that a bad loss for Texas Tech as it was happening? And we said, well, look, Texas is going to be fine, but, you know, who knows? Maybe Tech's turning the corner a little bit. Uh, they've, They've certainly turned the corner now. And they have a very favorable schedule towards the end of the season here. Any chance the Red Raiders pull off something crazy and and bring themselves up from the dead, get into the tournament, Taylor? Well, if West Virginia is projected to be in, if Texas Tech wins 
three of their last four or four of their last five, one or two in the Big 12 tournament, why wouldn't they be in over a West Virginia or an Oklahoma State? You know, I mean, God forbid they actually beat Kansas, then they might as well be in. But as we just discussed, wax poetically for the last 15 minutes, that's probably not going to happen because of Kansas can't beat them at this point. They're, they're going to go undefeated uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, if you listen to the last 10 minutes of this program, but yeah, I mean, it, what a funny, funny program, Texas tech is, and what a crazy funny year that they've had, you know, just dead in the water, worst team in the, in the big 12. And then all of a sudden we're just here talking about them potentially making the tournament being really one of the hotter teams in the country. You know, you've got Devion Harmon. Uh, he scored 25 in, against Texas last week. Um, uh, who's their leading scorer? Kevin uh, Obanar. Is that how you say his last name? Or Banner. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Obanar. Not enough ends in there to be Obanner. But um, he's playing well as well. Um, I don't think is – is Pop Isaac still hurt? He was last week. They, right. they, they, they beat Texas without him. Right. Wonderful sure. name. Wonderful name. Love the name Pop Isaacs, but yeah, I mean, I, I I guess what we'll need to know from Texas Tech is this a flash in the pan, like Kansas's three losses were a flash in the pan, or is this a, a good flat, a, a sustainable, a long roast? Let's call it. Um, like, can they win one or two more? If they win the next two games, then they'll be all on the bubble for sure, and they will be the talk of inside college basketball for any college basketball nerd that watches CBS sports until 1 a.m. Eastern. They'll definitely have a lot of segments on Texas tech uh, in the next 10 days. If they can get past uh, TCU and uh, was Oklahoma was their next game. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Winnable. I mean, they're winning that game. They very well could. I'm I'm saying they're going, I'm guaranteeing it. All right. Right here. Right here. Oklahoma's Oklahoma's only favored by two and a half early there. So, uh, they're, they're a fascinating program right now. The last two years, Mark Adams takes over and they make it to the sweet 16. A lot of people forget that they played Duke very well. That was one of the better games of the tournament. And Paolo Bancaro just said, screw it. I'm the best player on this court and propelled Duke uh, eventually to the final four. But I remember picking that game in my bracket. I had Texas tech winning that game. Uh, and I was, it was, it was a very close one. And so then you come back this year, you're supposed to get Amick in the transfer portal from Utah Valley, and he's hurt to begin the season. And I think that actually is going to be something that we look back on if they don't make the tournament. That's really going to stick in my craw because if Fardo's Amick is 100% healthy, Tech is in the tournament. He, they're in the field. He's just now getting his groove a little bit. And then Mark Adams had to play a little bit of the the – the roster control role, I suppose. And that's that's one of the many hats that you wear as a coach. But I'm wondering if if it's just a little too – it's too little too late. And the opportunity might still be there. But because of how poorly they started, especially in Big 12 play, I think they started 0-8. And, and so at this point now, you pretty much have to put all the coal in the engine and say – and this is what I referenced earlier. This is now winner go home every single game for Texas Tech, uh, probably up until maybe halfway through the Big 12 tournament. I don't know if, if they win their next like five, six games, they might be in. But I don't know if I necessarily see that happening with with the competition. We also mentioned the Kansas game. So I think Tech right now is playing with – Tech is the best example, Taylor, of a team. If you want to look at a team – and model what you need to do. If you're like a Clemson, if you're a Seton Hall, if you're one of these bubble teams, look at Texas Tech because they're playing with uh, their butt hair on fire right now. Well, and just for a couple of those guys, they have to in the sense that like their their three best players are seniors. So this is going to be tough. If they can't make a run here, I'm not sure how good Texas Tech is going to be for the next year or two, relying on the likes of like Daniel Bacho and, and those type of guys, former Arizona recruit Daniel Bacho. Um, but yeah, uh, O'Banner, um, uh, uh, Amick, and uh, who else was I uh, forgetting? Harmon. Oh, Devion Hartman. They're all, they're all Harmon, seniors. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is, it, I'm not saying it's going to be this big raw, raw moment that we see on TV shows or whatever. But if there's any time, it's like, yo guys, this is quite literally your last run. So let her fly. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. 
I, I look at a Mark Adams and a Hubert Davis almost in the same light. I think Mark Adams has been a longtime assistant. Um, we'll see what they can do with their own rosters moving forward. But both of those teams, in my opinion, right now on the outside looking in, which kind of stinks. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm not going to hide it at all. Okay. I, I want to see a UNC and there's, there's teams in every sport that you might hate, but they kind of need to be in, in order for the tournament, in my estimation, to be as fun as it, as it should be and not having UNC in would stink. And I would be totally, totally fine. If, if UNC ends up getting in the end, just based off brand recognition, whatever. I'm going to be the first one to say it. So uh, Texas Tech, let's see if they can continue this role. Taylor, real quick before we get to some winners, UConn and Providence coming up this week. Two of the most toxic fan bases, especially when those two play each other. Providence won at the AMP earlier this season. I think they had a lot of foul shots. And of course, the PC fan base is saying, well, that's because we're stronger and more aggressive than you. UConn fan base is saying, well, no, that's BS. You got the benefit of the doubt, and you got much better calls. UConn PC, I said a couple of weeks ago that I'm looking ahead at this schedule, and I think UConn has a great chance of finishing the season white hot. Not just hot, white hot. And I think a lot of folks have kind of just thrown them away to the wayside, forgetting how dominant they were earlier in the season. I've always said that I think they ha- they've shown that potential. They've also shown potential to absolutely stink, but – I think they get the job done at home against Providence. They had a good tune-up game against Seton Hall and took care of business. Thoughts on this upcoming UConn PC game? I kind of love this Providence team. We talked about it uh, last week a little bit um, after the uh, Mark. Was it the Marquette game? No, against the um, what was the game that went to double overtime last week? Providence. Uh, Creighton. Uh, Creighton. Creighton. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, or, I mean, uh, real quick, UConn beat Marquette, by the way. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Continue. So, yeah. Uh, sorry. The, the best comp, maybe the best, would you say this is the best conference race we have left over the last week here? Right. It's got to be. I think so. Yeah. Uh, the Mountain West is pretty close as well. But um, uh, in terms of the number of teams that are available to win this, I mean, UConn, if UConn wants to win it, they have to beat Providence uh, at this point. There's not enough games left. But, yeah, you've got four teams within one game uh, of the lead, Marquette being uh, number one. I know that the metrics really have UConn favored in this game, like, significantly. But there's something about Providence uh, that I just feel like they're just not getting enough credit for maybe as as good as they have been recently. Um, you know, I, I can't put my finger on potentially why, and I, and maybe it's more so that I don't love UConn. I'm in, in in that boat of, you know, they were dominant early in the year, but I think they've let me down a little more than they've let you down. Um, I I would love to see Providence with an upset here. I, I simply don't love this UConn team, and I, I really don't know why. Maybe it's the Hurley factor. Maybe I can't emotionally get over that. Um, I think – I, maybe Sonogo just doesn't do it as much for me, but I'm definitely not as high on them now as I was early in the year. Uh, and they, you know, we talk about them having a t- potential to uh, finish the year white hot. They also have the potential to finish the year with a losing conference record though, as well. So, I mean, they're, you, you're looking at the positivity side of that. I appreciate that, but um, there is, I don't want to say an equal opportunity, but if they lose to Providence, I don't know that game at the end of the year against Nova could be sneaky on the road. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with Providence on this matchup. Uh, I just think that there's something about, I think they have that if factor and uh, we're big Cooley guys on this program. Um, despite what the naysayers on Twitter say about this program as it relates to Providence basketball. But um, you notice the teams that we actually kind of support the most are our biggest like haters on Twitter. We've been well, singing t- like Tennessee praise all year. We've been singing Providence praise. Like, they, both of those fan bases have insane inferiority complexes. They, they expect you to to love them every two seconds, and the second you point out any sort of flaw or area for improvement, it's just it, you know a, a, a tire fire at that point. 
let Tennessee's out here scoring less points than like a middle school girls basketball game. And we're like, no, they're still good. Yeah. Don't, don't listen to that. They're, yeah. they're still going to be good. They're still a favorite. We're well, that's because boost them up. that's because we have our theory on Tennessee. It's the once once every six game theory. All right. And so we got to see how that stacks up, but I agree with you on Providence. I think they'll cover no matter what the line is. Providence is going to cover. Cause I'm assuming UConn is going to be, Favored. This is going to be a huge bounce back game and bounce back opportunity, though, for a Adama Sonogo and also an Andre Jackson. I don't think either of those guys were particularly good, especially Sonogo. And this was at the height, the euphoric height of Bryce Hopkins. Bryce Hopkins, I don't want to say he's necessarily tailed off, but he hasn't been playing at that insane level, which had him as clear cut Big East player of the year. And he might still win that award, but. What's funny with Providence is a another guy has kind of emerged as one of their mo- most important pieces, and that's Devin Carter. He is an absolute dog defensively, and I love him. And he's going to be the reason they win some games uh, in the conference tournament and also in the NCAA tournament. I just think that that UConn is going to be super juiced up for this game. I think they understand that right now Providence is, well, the past couple of years, been the class of the two of those programs. UConn's always had, I I, I want to get my mind into the fan base where they're like, no, Providence is the little brother. We don't care about them. I, I don't think you can keep BSing your way through this. You care about Providence right now. They are here and they've kind of, they've kind of played well against you. All right. And they're the ones that have won an NCAA tournament game and gotten to the sweet 16 and played Kansas really well. So I think UConn has a lot to prove. I think they're going to come out fired up for that. But anytime we think Providence is going to get blown out, that just doesn't happen. Save for the St. John's game, which I sometimes you just can't offer an explanation. I don't know why they lost like that on the road to St. John's, but that's not who they are. So I'm expecting a battle here, but I do expect UConn to win this and then parlay that into a really nice finish for the end of the season for them. You know, Sue, one of my favorite things that you do, even though you're non-better, is the amount of times that you mix in the word parlay appropriately into the program. As a non-better, I appreciate uh, your ability to do that. You are a wordsmith and an English major, as we've previously pointed out. Thank you. Very kind. You saw the screenshot that my mom sent to me on Super Bowl Sunday, just out of nowhere. She thinks I'm some degenerate gambler. I don't know why. I think it's just because... Well, look look at who you hang out with. I mean... I guess that could be a factor. There's been zero zero inclination or inkling for her to say like, "Oh yeah, he's a he's a gambler." But I just get a text from my mom on Super Bowl Sunday saying, "Please don't bet." Okay. The best part <laughs> like, about this was when you screenshot that and sent it to me. I, I I am not exaggerating, not hyperbole, nothing here. It was quite literally like ten seconds after I had just bet on the coin flip of the Super Bowl, and then I get. A message from your mom saying, Hey, maybe you shouldn't bet. I'm like, sorry, I'm hammering tails right now. This is not maybe the timing on this was poor. No, uh, it's it's just ridiculous from her. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, Taylor, let's go ahead and get to uh, some bets, some winners. We will do get in my belly. But Taylor, what I need some help from you on is just a refresher on last week. I think you went one and two. Uh, remind me again, Iowa minus eight against Ohio State. Did that hit or no? That did hit. The yeah, other two. Of course two. it did. Ohio State sucks. I have a, well, I might as well just bring it out now that we're on the subject. This was going to be one of my good things, but did you know that every team in the Big Ten currently has a win streak against Ohio State basketball? Like they've won at least their last two against them? their last one. Their last, they oh, every team has won their last game against Ohio State. That's rough. And when I we would talk not about, have guessed that when we talk about this time of year and we talk about like quad this, quad that, whatever, you know, Ohio State's still a quad one win, but they are horrible. I mean, same with like Why? North Carolina is a quad, yeah. So it's like. I think what people don't understand is how many teams there are in college basketball. There's 
375, give or take. So break that into fourths, right? Well, that's only about nine. Like there's still 90 teams in in quad one in theory, right? So it's not like, oh, great. You beat the 87th best team in the country. And that's supposed to be something good for you going for it. That's just in layman's terms. That's not exactly how the quads work. But I just think it's funny that that is such a big deal where it's like, oh, yeah, 17 quad one wins. They beat. North Carolina and Ohio State and Clemson and it's like yeah okay these teams aren't even that good that's what UCLA is is holding their hat on right now it's all these is like the three quad one wins that they have and that's why they should be the one seed yeah well that's an interesting nugget against Ohio State I cannot believe that they're considered a quad one win but I'm glad you brought that up and that's the other thing I can't stand that go into uh these these seedings is like the net and Ken Palm and someone's like yeah Ohio State's still pretty rank uh, pretty good and Ken Palm like dude I see what I'm seeing all right I see that they've lost 13 of their last 14 or some something crazy like that they're not a good team they are not uh, they are not an NCAA tournament team. Well, and the net has its flaws too, because right now the net has like St. Mary's still at like the seventh best team in the country. And it's like, I physically have watched them lose like eight games this year. Like, you can't I, <laughs> Yeah. And I don't think they give Providence any credit either. That's one of their crying points over there. Right. The Friars. So we'll get into all of that, yeah, but sorry, okay. Sorry, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. You're good. Iowa minus eight against Ohio state, of course does hit Purdue minus one at Maryland. They got smoked. I was actually smoked. on a plane. I was on a plane for that one but they rebounded nicely Purdue did after that game and then Milwaukee plus nine and a half against Youngstown State you weren't the only one that was like this is crazy but yeah they got smoked smoked so clearly it wasn't crazy so yeah just smoked famous last words for me as in regards to Purdue last week when I said there's no way they can lose another road game yeah whoops my bad Kevin Willard loves along came Polly right yeah (laughs) Wow. Is that three references in this program alone? Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. Well, should we get back on the 3-0 and o train here then, Sue, or what? Yes, sir. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth was 20 minutes ago, and I'm taking Texas Tech. We're keeping that train going. Texas Tech plus two and a half on the road at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's terrible. We don't need to dive into this matchup too much more. Oklahoma's bad, as we've previously said. Um and Texas Tech's on a roll. So that's pretty much all my reasoning into that. So we're going to we're gonna roll with that on that one. Um, I'm going to take this to the skies, Sue, and we're going to go with the Air Force Falcons hosting Fresno State. Just a two-and-a-half-point favorite, the Air Force Falcons are. And, you know, Air Force is actually a sneaky, decent offensive team. They guard the perimeter decently well. They're one of they have one of the best uh, perimeter off or uh, three point defenses in the country. And Fresno State is horrifically bad on offense. I think they're three hundred and fifty fifth in points per game, three hundred and fifty first in three point percentage. So for Air Force uh, to be just a two and a half point favorite, uh, I see Air Force winning by. I would say I hate to say this, but I think a significant amount there. To me. I've watched Air Force a handful of times this year, and I've watched Fresno uh, actually more than a handful of times this year. Fresno's terrible. And Air Force actually, they're, they're, like I said, they're sneaky decent offensively and should be able to run a team like Fresno uh, out. And number three, we're going to go with, back to the Big East, we're going to go with Xavier at home over Villanova by five and a half. Uh, I have been trying to hang on to, this thought that Villanova was going to at some point get better and better. And they just haven't. And I think, you know, maybe about two or three weeks ago, if not more, more, if you were smarter than me, you realized that this was not ever going to happen. But for me, I hung on a little bit, I think probably because of the brand hung on a little bit, but um, you know, knowing Sean Miller uh, as well as we do, uh, this is often when his teams start to turn it on, uh, especially defensively. The Xavier team is not your normal Sean Miller team because they're really good offensively and not as good defensively. But as we've seen in previous years or previous years with a Sean Miller coach team, this is about the time they start to turn it on. So I'm going to roll with that. So Xavier by five and a half, Texas Tech within two and a half, and Air Force by two and a half. I love that. Lot of uh what's the what's the comp i'm making here a lot of the coach from smart guy the basketball coach from smart guy no a lot of anthony the hammer williams from smart guy in the head coach 
uh, for Fresno State. Shout out Mo Tibbs. That's right. That's Let me right. ask you, when do, ha- when do house parties start? If you really know Mo Tibbs, you'll know when house parties start. Is it the crack of dawn? No, they don't, start po- they don't start po- They don't start. going till 10. Till 10. I think also it, it, the, the smart guy high school, I think the mascot was the Penguins. And last week correct. we talked about Youngstown State. The wow. Penguins, who, what a, by the way, great season for Youngstown State. What a missed off. No, I should have. I Actually, that's on me. Hand in hand up. Like that's the fact that there was a penguin opportunity. We didn't take that or run with it, whether it being a bet or uh, with smart guy, that's totally on me. All right, Taylor, time to get on out of here now though, on some good things. I'll start this time. Hofstra first in the colonial. Yes, they are higher than college of Charleston, who I said, I would like to see as a, as a bubble team, get in over the likes of a West Virginia, I know I also said something along the lines of even Clemson or Seton Hall, uh, not Michigan though. I don't. I don't want to see Michigan. I don't know if they're on the bubble or not. Get Michigan out of there. Michigan State though, I like Michigan State. Get them in. But uh, again, this is all narrative driven. That being said, getting back Hofstra, what a great year they've been having, and I think it's always cool that added layer of the hometown kid of the alum, and that's what we got. Speedy, Speedy Claxton. He is at Hofstra, the head coach. And again, there's there was so much fanfare around Charleston and how they started the season. No one's realizing that Hofstra is in first place right now. I feel like if you asked a lot of folks, they'd say Charleston based on how they started. No, it's Hofstra. And Speedy Claxton, he's the one that actually put Hofstra on the map for me when it came to college basketball because I'd never heard of them. I don't know where Hempstead is in, in, in New York, but Speedy Claxton got drafted, I think, by the Sixers. I could be wrong. Someone check me. He got drafted to the NBA. He's a Hofstra guy, and I don't really, I don't really remember him all that well in the NBA, but I do remember like the second you, you associate Hofstra basketball with speedy Claxton. And so I'm glad that he's back and he has them in first place. And I hope they win the colonial again. It can't, it, I don't want it to go without, without really hammering home the point that nobody talked about them. And actually there was another team that was talked about far more and yet Hofstra right there. How about speedy Claxton and the Hofstra pride hoping to see them finish out the season strong. That's a great thing for them. Well, mine is a, is a little less good, let's call it, than that. Mine has two things for Purdue, a team that we've talked about a lot, and a team that's projected to go far in the tournament. And there's a reason I say that. Hang on to that thought for a second. The good thing with Purdue is that they now have a winning record against every team in the Big Ten in their career or in, in history. Uh, one of the – as much shit as we've given them from time to time on this program and as much uh, joy as I've kind of uh, gotten out of their basketball as well, I've always been a big proponent of them. They still are probably one of the most underrated basketball programs in the country. Most people don't know that they have the most Big Ten titles. Now, hopefully more people know that they have a winning record against every team in the Big Ten. That's pretty impressive if you look at all of the teams in the Big Ten, obviously. So my funny thing with Purdue, though, is this is just a story from Reddit. So I'm just... I'm just disseminating information. I have not fact-checked this other than reading through the entire thread uh, about it, and it seems to be legit. So Matt Painter apparently has a condo or something uh, in a tropical location, and uh, a guy on Reddit knows or has rented this from him the same week every year for the last like three or four years, and this is in March. This is in March. Let me just preface this reminder. This is in March. Uh, apparently Matt Painter, uh, canceled their, uh, reservation, uh, last week because the, someone's going to be using it personally. Is it going to be Matt Painter? Is he pre, (laughs) is he pre canceling a reservation at his condo in like Florida or the keys or something like that? Because he thinks they're going to lose. I don't know. Just something to think about. This is deep dive information here. Wow. Maybe is painter just trying to go reverse psychology here? Like if I take it off, it's probably like his, his sister parents or something that wanted to use it. But I I mean, that's way more logical, but let's put the tinfoil cap on. Yeah. I like the tinfoil cap of saying, Hmm, maybe he knows something. 
that we don't at this point. So now I'm hesitant to take Purdue. Wow. See, that's really good insight. I personally think it's because he's like, look, something's got to change. Let me take this off the market and mm-hmm. reverse the juju. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. I don't expect him to throw it, <laughs> throw the season, especially when you got a guy like Zach Eady and and the roster that he has and the resume that they've built. And it's just Matt Painter. But I, I genuinely think he's like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just take it off, off for March. Maybe get people distracted on something else. I am so looking forward to this being the first year that I don't take Purdue to like the Elite Eight or Final Four. And this being the piece of information that has me uh, take them out in the tournament early. And then this actually being the year that they do go to the Final Four. And I just hate myself all the way. Big circle of hate for myself just because of all of this. Purdue, Arizona, Tennessee, the PAT. I brought this up, I think, with Dallin Cuff. One of those three teams is going to make a deep run and probably go to the final four. I don't want people to just say, oh, I can't take Arizona because they choke in the tournament. I know they do. Or I can't take Purdue that far because they always choke in the tournament. Obviously, that has been the case. I can't take Tennessee because Rick Barnes and 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 the Vols can't play offense and they, they choke in the tournament. One of those three teams is going to be there towards the end as as we approach april i'm just letting you know that it's it's which one do you pick until hofstra comes outside of that bracket of that like lower left bracket as shark would say can't wait can't wait for that those teams will all be together in the same and then and then like hofstra will come out it'll be great super it won't be stressful at all for any of our, our fanhoods here yeah it'll be it'll be hofstra in the final four it'll be kansas in the final four it'll be one of those three teams that i just mentioned and then west virginia if we circle it back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the program taylor let's go ahead get on out of here though thank you as always for listening we want to make sure that you enjoy the hoops uh, and enjoy the rest of the week of college basketball we should have a really really fun guest for Thursday's episode. So stay tuned and we'll catch you next time here on theater and college hoops.